Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 168 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have our, another fun show today, continuing our dynasty and prospect positional rankings with second base, and this will be our last show of the year. Mr. Clegg, kind of bittersweet, huh? Last show of 2022. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that it's already coming to an end if you're listening to this you have two more days maybe of the 2022 year and somehow it's another year going by and it's been a good one how many shows did we do this year i think you counted up before we were 90 talking. 92 93 something like yeah, that that's what i was thinking too so man it's pretty wild thank you for being with us all year and if you're listening to us right now maybe you've been with us all year maybe you're getting back into swing of baseball prep so we appreciate it Either way, and we appreciate all your support and looking to do bigger and better things in 2023. Yeah, our first episode of 2022 was episode 76. And oh my, th- this is kind of funny. This, it actually lines up as our last episode of last year was Dynasty and Prospects second base rankings. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we, uh, we synced that up pretty well. But yeah, our first episode of 2022 was episode 76 and we're now at 168 so wow crazy to think about and we'll be hitting 200 here probably at this pace i think in april i think it is so man it's flown by but we are talking the second base spot today the keystone for prospects and dynasty but before we get into that the usual housekeeping you can follow us on twitter chris is at roto clegg i am at eric cross 04 and our show is at fantrax toolshed if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel. And of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Best Ball Leagues, actually all leagues really, Best Ball, Classic Draft, everything is already open. So go get your, your drafting fixed in. And we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever fantasy sports you are into. Which I'm, I'm glad football is almost almost over. No more of that. Everyone can get back into the baseball swing. You know, January is in a few days here, so it's a fun time of year. Baseball ramping up, though. Baseball never dies here at the Fantrax Toolshed. All right, so same format as previous shows. We'll start with prospects here and then do a dynasty and an MLB swing after the break. So let's start with our top 10 second-base prospects. This is This is the position where... Eligibility really starts becoming an absolute nightmare because I think two thirds of like our top thirty are like eligible at two or three spots. So we might have missed somebody. So let us know if we did, and we'll give you our opinion or whatever. But it's hard to do minor league eligibility these days because everyone plays everywhere. But with that said, Chris, who are your top ten second base prospects? 
All right. So starting at the top, I have Curtis Mead. I think it's going to debut sooner than later. Hopefully we'll see the Razor, the Rays, but Mead, <laughs> Termar Johnson, Jordan Westberg, Connor Norby, Luis Angel Acuna, Edward Julian, Brayon Rocchio, Nick York, Michael Bush, and Angel Martinez is how 10 rounds out. So for me, I have, see, this is the first time that I think the other two spots, we were pretty synced at the top, at least. This is the first time where it's, it's a bit different. Same kind of grouping, but different order. I have Connor Norby one, Termar Johnson two, Curtis Mead three, Luis Angel Cunha four, Edward Julian five, Jordan Westberg six, Brian Rocchio seven, Michael Bush eight, Carlos Jorge nine, and Nick Gonzalez ten, who, as I was saying before we started recording, is probably the hardest one for me to rank right now because part of me wants to put him lower. I know Chris went lower than I did. But part of me still is holding on hope for a solid offensive player. I don't know. He's hard on the rank. But for now, he'll be 10. Maybe that shifts. If it shifts, it probably shifts down for me before my update. But that is my 10 there. So I'll start right at the top. I mean, you have Meade. I have Norby. But in reality, I don't think there's like a clear cut number one. I think there's like a clear. I didn't know if there's a clear cut top tier. Maybe the top seven. Could all ha- have cases that are all pretty close in my overall rankings here. But for you, what put Mead at the top? There's a lot of factors here with, with Mead and kind of starting with proximity and performance also. I think that you know, obviously he's he's more than ready. We've seen that. He could have debuted last year. And I think there's fear with some that Mead is like not going to get regular reps because the Rays. But at some point, I do think the Rays just play their best players. And Mead is is quite developed. He makes good contact. He hits the ball really hard. He actually had one of the better average EVs in the minors last year, which is pretty impressive to see. Hard hit rates, very good. He doesn't chase often. And the results have showed, like, at, at pretty much every level. And as he's moved up, there's kind of been no drop-off at all. I mean, he, he reached AAA in 2021, and, and that was at 20 years old. And we saw him just dominate. And with Meade, this was somebody who, during the pandemic, went and played professional baseball in Australia. He is Australian, and so he went back home and he played professional baseball while no games were going on in the U.S. So he really credits that to himself, you know, really developing his game. And we saw that because he came back and was absolutely just dominant. I mean, he took off, like, from being a nobody to you know, a top prospect very quickly. And you've just seen the performance at every level. As I mentioned, there's a good field to hit for average. He's got the power. It hasn't necessarily translated into home runs, but it's certainly there. Just looking at it, I mean, Meade's 90th percentile exit velocity was 106.8 last year, which is upper tier for even major league players. And we were talking about somebody who was 21 last season. Just He turned 22 after the season was over, so... You know, he'll spend all of next year at 22 years old. And I feel like we think that Meade is like older, but it's important to remember like he did debut super young. He debuted at 17 in the Phillies org in rookie ball, and we really didn't see much of him, and nobody really knew his name before. So I do think the home run power is coming. Plus, he's an OBP monster, as I mentioned. He doesn't chase often. He can definitely take a walk, and the contact skills are there for him to continue to hit for average. And the thing is, he he doesn't really struggle against any particular type of pitch. So that's why I think that he's capable of excelling at the big league level. I mean, his hard hit rate was over 50% last year. You love to see that. He can hit the ball to all fields. And that's kind of his MO, which you know may hurt his fantasy stats a bit. But you know, he had a pretty even batted ball distribution last year in AAA at least. In AA, he did pull it a little more, but still you see, you know. Last, I mean, in AAA, he had 30% pull, 30% oppo, and, and 40% center, which is encouraging batted ball profile. So overall, I think Meade's just kind of well-rounded. I think there's he's not flashy, so he doesn't really get the love, but I do think he's just going to be a really good player for a long time. Yeah, I don't think anybody at the top of this position is flashy. I mean, out of this top tier, like, who would you, who would you say is the flashiest, like, the sexier profile? Like, I don't. Nobody's I mean, maybe Acuna. I, he's not even that flashy. Maybe uh, Termar, but it, it's probably Termar because it's just the the hype around him. I guess like we haven't right. 
haven't seen him. Well, I mean, we have seen him, but in small sample. But I think that he's probably the the flashiest. Other than that, you're right. There's not a ton. So that it is interesting to think about in that sense. But like, for, and he's by far the the youngest and least experienced of this top tier. I think everyone else in in our top seven was at double A AA or triple A to end the season last year. So yeah, and he's he's by far the least experienced of the bunch. But he maybe he has the highest upside. But we'll see. We'll see how you know how that profile plays. We, we we both have him at two. Yeah, like you know, I have Norm B one, but like I said there's not a huge gap at all between these guys. Like I kind of really started digging Connor Norby this year. He got triple A overall had 29 home runs, 16 steals, you know, walks at a decent clip. Doesn't strike out too much. The, you know, the hit tool was solid. Again, he's I, like, kind of like me and a lot of these other guys, nothing really stands out for him. Like he's not, not, not he's not going to hit 30 home runs. He's not going to steal 25 bags, but could he be like, you know, 20 to 25 home runs and, you know, 12 to 15 steals. Yeah. I think he could be that with a, a good average, good OBP. Hit tool's always been pretty solid. Like I said the OBP skills are good. Doesn't K too much. So I think he can be it's one of those guys where it, nothing stands out and wows you, but end of the year, you're like, all right, look at the entire package where it's kind of like the some some of the parts type of thing. And okay, you know, that's that's a good all around profile. So yeah, you know, I him have him one. I think he's a debut. You know, maybe mid season he get up nine games, triple A in the last year as twenty two year old. There's a lot of options for Baltimore. Like you know, obviously they already get Gunner up. They have Westberg coming up right pretty soon too. They'll have Kobe Mayo, several others. So I want to see how this Baltimore infield kind of shakes out. And, and same thing with uh, with Acuna in Texas. You know, he played about three quarters or two thirds of the time at short last year, and one third of his time at second base. Where does he end up? He's only played second base and shortstop in the minor leagues, nowhere else, not even for an inning, anywhere else. And obviously, Texas has Corey Seager and Marcus Semyon at the middle of the spots, probably for the foreseeable future. Either one of them are not anytime soon, at least not the next few years. And then got Josh Young at third, Nathaniel Lowe at first. He's never played outfield. I don't know where Acuna fits in that. We were talking, maybe he gets traded. I don't know. But overall, I like. Acuna a good amount. I think he's a bit undervalued, which is kind of funny. You'd think he wouldn't, given his last name and his, his family lineage and, and who his brother is, but I think he still gets a bit underrated. He's only 20 years old, got up to double A, and he, and he did struggle in double A, but overall this past year, had 44 steals. He's a plus speed guy. The power is sneaky good. Like I saw him take batting practice out in the AFL, and he had some tanks to left field like we were joking that there's some security guys on that hill out there in left field at slum park that had to like run out of the way because he was hitting some tanks halfway up that hill i think there's sneaky power there too so i think you know with some of these guys graduating over you know in 2023 like we probably see norby graduate probably Meade as well maybe a westberg that maybe acuna could be for that number one spot by you know this time next year what do you think on that chris yeah, I think he's it, – it's a a weird dynamic to evaluate him because there's the name value and recognition, and there's also the fact that a lot of people pushed back on him preseason and was like, no, he's not that good. But he performed. He had a solid year overall. He is capable of hitting the ball hard, but he doesn't always hit the ball hard consistently. Right. I think he does try to replicate his brother's swing identically. Oh, absolutely. And he can get long. I mean, Ronald's swing can get long from time to time. I think that's where he gets exploited with some breaking balls. But I do think we need to remember that he is just 20 years old. And we saw him as a 20-year-old get to double A. And while it wasn't great, it wasn't horrific. I mean, he did cut his strikeout rate in double A, which is encouraging to see. So when you move up a level and you drop your strikeout rate from 25% to 21.3%, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, he ran a really high BABIP in, in high A, and then he ran a really low BABIP in double A. So there's some nice middle ground. I mean, 416 BABIP in high A, not realistic. 274 BABIP in double A, probably not who he is. Just looking at the bad ball distribution and, and how he hits the ball, he can get a little ground ball heavy, which is the issue. Yeah, But I do think that he will continue to develop. And there's a chance that this 20-year-old can continue to grow and add more strength. Like, he could add height. I mean, it's not yeah. out of the question. He could definitely still add muscle 
So the high-end exit velocities that we've seen on occasion could become more consistent, which could lead to more home runs. So that is worth noting. And I think that, obviously, the speed's really good. We've seen that. And he plays an excellent shortstop. Yep. Phenomenal shortstop. I loved what we saw from him last year. As in, in, or in AFL, especially. Like, he made some plays. So I think that he's just going to continue to move up rankings and probably be a little bit underrated, I think. I think right now people are still not on board, but I think you should be. Another one that fits that exact same mold that you just said, I think it's Jordan Westberg. And we, we've both tweeted about Westberg over the last, you know, you last week and me, I think I tweeted in like November or something about it. Uh, he's very underrated. You know, again, he's not one that has the flashy profile and these guys often get undervalued. But the power speed, I think, is very underrated. You got to be, you know, 25, 30 home runs and steals. No, but I think he could be a, you know, 20, 25 homer guy, maybe even a little bit more. I think he can be, you know, 10, 12 steals, something like that. Like last year, he went 27, 12 in 138 games between double A and triple A. Got better as he got up to triple A. You know, walks at a good clip as well. Keeps the K rate, you know, relatively in check. So I think there's a lot to like here with Jordan Westbrook too. And I think that he still flies under the radar for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I kind of agree. And I I put him above Norby. They're interesting. Yeah, I mean, you can make your arguments for Norby. I think the fact that he, you know, bumped up really quick through the system and, and Westbrook's been around for what, an additional year or two, and I think that is Westberg a year older. I needed to confirm that. Westberg um, is, yeah, he's he'll be twenty four in February, yeah. and Connor Norby is Norby will be twenty three in June. So yeah, it's so a, a little over a year older. Yeah, so it's a year and a couple months. So I think that that's certainly something to talk about. But just in a general sense, I do think Norby's powers being a bit overrated the fact that he had 28 home runs like i don't see that as who he'll be moving no, forward I, I agree with that um, i think i think he's more like low to mid 20s like 22 23 24 yeah westberg to me has the clear-cut power edge and i mean he he had over two mile an hour higher 90th percentile ev last year and close to a mile and a half hour mile an hour average ev higher as well than norby contact rates were pretty identical across the board and Westberg chased much less, near 5% less. So that kind of led me to kind of reevaluate Westberg a bit. And like you said, I think he is being a little bit underrated. Honestly, like I may look to sell Connor Norby right now just based on the hype. If you can cash out and get a really good major league player, I would do so because, again, we're looking at a dominant performance. Like, I mean, People pushing him as top 25. I'm not willing to go there on him. Yes, I mean, I think the stats probably warrant that, but he's not going to, their speed's not really going to be part of his profile, I don't think. I don't expect him to steal much of the majors at all. And then you tack on the fact that he really outperformed his home runs. Like he hit 29. So I think he's closer to a 20 home run guy. So I don't expect him to put home run to fly ball rates of 24% up like he did in double and triple A. So I may be looking to, to cash out on Connor Norby right now, which may go against the grain, but that's, that's what I'd be looking to do with him because I, I think that his value might be peak in some sense. Hey, that, that very well could be. And obviously I'm, I'm higher on him than you are. And I do think he'll run a bit. Like I totally agree that the, you know, what he showed this year, like he's not going to be a 30 home run guy. Like, no, he's just not. Especially with you know, then the, both Westbrook and Norby are righties, and obviously then they move the left field wall back and up, which doesn't help at all. And neither one have like that game changing. You know, it's, they don't have Kobe Mayo power, even though <laughs> you know Westbrook has good power and, and and Norby's just solid enough. But they don't have Kobe Mayo type of power. So you know these guys will probably you know will it'll probably cost them a couple of home runs. Maybe they were you know would be twenty five with the old wall. Maybe that'll be twenty two. You know, won't be a huge gap, but. Yeah, so I do think Norby will be, you know, low to you know, low to mid twenties, you know, maybe some years at twenty five, but I don't think he'll ever push thirty. I, I think he will be, you know, like I said, ten to twelve steals, so a little bit less speed. He did steal ten in double A, which and only was caught twice. So I guess he actually ran a bit more in double A than he did in high A. 
which gives me a little bit of promise there. But I think it's just to be a solid all-around profile. But there's no big gap. And yeah, I do, I do think the hype is is pretty high on him right now. I do have him back at, you know, in that 25 range. I think others are even higher than me. So it, it it wouldn't be a bad time to at least explore that possibility to see what you can get. Like I said, I'm all I'm always even if for these guys that I like a lot, like Norb, I'm always for, hey, if I can get a good major leaguer that's still relatively young, you know, like 26, 27, something like that, that I know is already shown that he can, has that production that Norby might be able to do. I'll do that all all day for sure. A couple other guys here. But let's talk about the Yorks because I have. Gonzalez in my top ten. You have York in your top ten. What are where are we at on these two? I think they're both very hard to rank. Obviously, they both came off down twenty twenty two seasons. And I, I put out a poll from our Twitter account here that I'm trying to find about which prospect people would rather buy low on between Nick York and Nick Gonzalez. I can't find it right now. I'll pull it up. But if you had the, I, I'm assuming. You still have York way ahead of Gonzalez. So I know we talked about Gonzalez a good amount, but at this point, are you like fully out on Gonzalez? Or are you still have like one foot in? Where are you at on, on Gonzalez and York for that matter? I would, yeah, I'm out on the Gonzalez completely. <laughs> I've really two feet out the door, shut doors shut behind you. For relative value, yeah. I mean, I would, I would dump him probably in Dynasty League if you could. He, I mean, I, I think people, want to hang on to what he did in college still and even the last couple months of 2021 but i've seen him in in stints in mid in the summer of 2021 and then both afls in 2021 and 2022 and even back in the summer of 2021 in high a he struggled with high fastballs and then that carried over to the afl and the crazy thing is like i was out then like in the summer of 2021 but then he went on that tear. He had like three thirty six or the too much or something stupid. And then there's like that of that meme, like just when I thought I was up, pull me back in type of thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happened. It was like whoa, like okay. So then I was like, okay, maybe I'll get back in on him. I still kind of, I didn't go, you know, all the way back, and I kept him like around like seventy five range for prospects. But this year, I mean, doesn't hit the ball hard, and I know there were some injuries, but still like. Here's the difference in York and Gonzalez. Neither neither of them hit the ball hard, but Nick Gonzalez had a 69% zone contact rate, and he had a 62% overall contact rate. Like, yeah, that's not good. That's just majorly concerning. He is aggressive in the zone. He doesn't chase a lot, which is good. Neither does York. And the concern is just when you can't make contact in the zone, like you're gonna, I mean, you're just gonna get eaten up, especially when you're facing major league pitching. The book was kind of out on him as well, I feel like, in the AFL, because that's all we saw him throwing was the, the high fastball. Over like, and over again. And he, he couldn't do it, man. And that's been a problem for a while now. And so that's something that I'm just trying to focus on more and more when I watch prospects. It's like looking for those flaws and hitters. Like if you're constantly chasing breakers out of the zone, like that's a red flag. And if you can't hit like velocity or the high fastball, I just struggle to think you're going to make it in the majors. And that's kind of where I am with Nick Gonzalez right now is that I'm worried that he's just not going to make it. Now, York, on the other hand, I do think York is capable of making it as a hitter. And what kind of power we see, I don't know. I think York may profile as a 12 to 15 home run bat, but I think the hit tool is much more advanced than Nick Gonzalez at this point. And we know Gonzalez is much older than York. So that obviously is a big factor, too, when we think about this, is that Gonzalez will be 24 before the season starts, if I'm not mistaken. And York's still 20. York will turn 21 at some point in the season next year. So you're looking at a pretty big age gap there. And I don't know. I just haven't seen anything out of Gonzalez that's, like, warranted him to stay. Like, he's he's barely in my top 200. Like, I'm going to the 190 range, which may sound insane, but... I'm just, I have so many worries about the bat. And yeah. I think there's questions about York as well, but I think there's less questions. And I we can always fall back on York's hit tool at the end of the day, which while it wasn't as great this year, there was definitely struggles with York. I do think that he got his swing back towards the end of the year, and we even saw that in the AFL. Like He made a few tweaks with the swing prior, 
and it, it really paid off for him. So with with he suffered like five different injuries. He missed a week early in the year with an illness. And then I think he, I don't know, he's had a weird year for him in Greenville. And there was a lot of things that just came up for York. So I think a, a fully healthy 2023 will hopefully have him bounce back a bit. And, you know, he's never, we probably went too high on him at one point. Yeah. But we can pull back a bit and say, all right, here's who Nick York is. Like, right. I think he's going to profile for a solid average and have some power, not great power. Probably hit a lot of doubles off the green monster in Fenway. Probably. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think w- with me, the first like two months of 2023 for both these guys will be very, very key. Like, if they get out and they're kind of both, you know, kind of not doing a lot offensively, like the, the, the leash is short, I will say, with both these guys from me. Like, I think there's a chance that both of them move way down my rankings. Better chance they move down than up, I think, at this point. I'm not, I think I'm one foot out the door on both. I do agree. I think York is safer. I think there's a better chance of him being a big league bat. Could say that there's a bit more upside, too. I don't know. Neither one are, are guys I'm really looking to target in Dynasty right, right now, but. We'll see. Yes, I think the first, like, you know, April, May or so will be very big for both these guys in my rankings. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next rest of our rank. We'll go 11 through 30 here. So for me, I have Nick York at 11. So I saw I have them back to back. Justin Foscue, Jace Young, Eggy Rosario, Spencer Steer, Angel Martinez, Matt McLean, Edison Polino, Jose Salas, and Manuel Valdez at 20. And then Juan Bay. Jose Rodriguez, Lennon Sosa, Wenseal Perez, Jordan Diaz, Pedro Ramirez, Will Wagner, Aslevis Basabe, Eddie's Leonard, and Ian Lewis. Who are your 11 through 30, Chris? All right. So starting at 11 with Jordan Diaz, the A's, Jace Young, Carlos Jorge, Spencer Steer, Jose Salas, Juwan Bay, Justin Foscue, Eggy Rosario, Matt McClain and Nick Gonzalez at 20. Yeah, probably shocker that he's that low, but there's where we are. Followed by Jose Rodriguez, Hayu Lee, Edison Polino, Lennon Sosa, Mikey Romero, Will Wagner, Eddie's Leonard, Tyler Black, Sushi Chang, and Winsiel Perez rounding out the 30th spot. And this is, I said, this is where it gets really messy. There's a yeah. lot of these guys played multiple spots. Like a lot of these guys had two or even three eligibilities. And, you know, after, you know, after eight or so, because, you know, which I have Bush at eight, you have Bush at nine. After like the top eight or nine, I I love Carlos Jorge. Like, he's a huge target of mine. I'm sure I'm probably higher than most with him. I have him t- back end top 100 at this point. So I think there is a nice blend of skills there. You look at what he did this past year, only 42 games in complex level in Arizona. But hit, hit 261, pretty solid, you know, very good walk rate as well, around 16%. Had a 268 ISO, 27 steals. If the dude is a plus runner, I think, you know, a lot of evaluators that have seen him think there could be a, you know, an above average, maybe plus hit tool, but at least above average. I think the pop, while it's behind a little bit, is sneaky good and has, you know, sneaky potential. So I think. Especially, especially if he, he had, can add a lot more bulk to that frame too. Like he's only he looks at five ten one sixty. You know who knows how accurate that is at this point, as, as that hasn't been updated in about a year and a half or so. But from the looks of his frame and video I've seen, he he could still add some frame. And I think it was Ian, I think it was um, Ian Smith at FLA Smitty, I believe, on Twitter, who had a video of Jorge hitting home run, and it was just effortless. It looked like he wasn't even trying. And he, hit, and he hits a tank. So I think that is going to, the power is going to start playing up here as he starts adding some bulk, hopefully. And he's got Great American Ballpark waiting him. So he's one, one of my favorite targets out of this kind of cluster of players here. Do you have a, a favorite or two in this range, Chris, that you're targeting in Dynasty Leagues? I think definitely Jorge's a good target. I still believe in Jose Salas a bit. I do, t- I do I- too. Yeah, yeah, I think he's kind of you know flown a bit under the radar, and he didn't have the best year, so I think he'll be fine and can bounce back. Looking a little deeper, man, I do think Will Wagner is an interesting one. Like he's the profile is just I don't know. I mean, he's one that really could pop off, 
and or not even pop off, but just fly under the radar and be a solid major leaguer. And, you know, of all so all minor leaguers with at least 400 plate appearances last year, he was one of five minor leaguers that had an, you know, 90th percentile EV better than 102.5, a zone contact better than 85% and a chase rate less than 25%. So an interesting combo of tools there. The numbers weren't super flashy, but I'll tell you what, he hit a bomb off Quinn Priester in the AFL that it was amazing yeah. bomb. That, like that, was, that was a shot, it. yeah. And his swing is pretty effortless too. So that that helps. And he covers the zone really well with his swing. So I think that and I'm not sure he's ever going to pop off. Like he's not going to be one that's going to be a huge prospect riser, but I do think he's going to make the majors at some point and be a solid contributor. And I think those kind of players are underrated because I think that Will Wagner is owned in less than 1% of fan tracks leagues, like just being honest. So probably <laughs> that's a, you know, why would you not at least pick him in a deeper league and see where it goes? I'm curious now, so I'm going to look because I really, I think the last time I looked, he was you know, less than 1%. I think everybody's 1% if you're, unless you're like actually zero. So if you're owned in like any league, then yeah, I think, I think it just rounds up. <laughs> Okay, it's going up. He's up to 7%. So there's Ooh, some people there picking him up. It was definitely lower when I first... Because honestly, I knew nothing about him prior to the AFL. Like, I saw the name, like he was on the roster. I yeah. knew nothing about him other than he was Billy Wagner's son. So <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, like, I didn't really do a whole lot of digging for the AFL. But then we saw him in the AFL. I'm like, okay. Like, I really need to come back to this guy. And so I did, and I was like, hmm, I really like this guy. So that that would be my target, who's just kind of underrated and just yeah. going to get the job done a good bit, I think. And you never kind of get the love that he deserves. Yeah. Cause like you said, and like the stats weren't, you know, didn't jump off the page. That show. You know, he had 10 runs, eight steals and 117 games, 261, 374, 394 slash. But he really did dominate. He's one of the better hitters we saw out there in the fall league and in 60 plate appearances, he had 18 hits. 11 of those went for extra bases and he had, a 712 slug and a 266 and a 366 ISO, excuse me. So, yeah, he really did pop off out in the AFL. We'll see how much of that, if he can keep that momentum up next year. He got, you know, right around 300 plate appearances in double A, 23 years old. I could see him bumping to triple A to start. We'll see. Maybe he goes to double A again for a month or two. But yeah, he's one definitely that moved into my top 400. He's, he's not super high. I think he's around like 250 ish or so. But yeah, definitely think that he's a very undervalued bat that you can get for a pretty, pretty inexpensive price tag right now. All right, that rounds out the prospects. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll be back with our dynasty rankings. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County takes senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into our dynasty rankings now. Let's start with our top 10. Chris, who you got? All right, here we go at the top. I actually have made a switch, and I've got Jazz Chisholm 1. That wasn't the case, but I have Jazz in the top spot. Then followed by Ozzy Albies, Jose Altuve. And, man, that honestly, like that grouping's all pretty close. Like, really, they those are, yeah. top two guys is just the age factor being a good bit younger than Altuve, but man, Altuve just keeps performing and performing. So that's been really the biggest thing for him staying up in that spot. It's like, man, like you love to see that. Oh, so Jose Altuve's three followed by Marcus Simeon, Andres Jimenez, Trevor Story, and then Tommy Edmond, Jonathan India, Von Grissom, and Glaber Torres. So mine, yeah, those are all very close to the top. That's easily tier one. At this position, I go Albies, then Jazz, though I think there are two spots apart in my overall right now. 
And then I have three through ten: Jose Altuve, Marcus Semien, Trevor Story, Andres Menez, Tommy Edmond, Von Grissom, Glaber Torres, and Jonathan India at ten. So that's one thing I discussed in my second base dynasty rankings article. My you know I discussed certain you know fun players at the spotlight. I did you know Albies versus Jazz and. I think there's no doubting that if you're looking at just pure upside, pure ceiling, that it's jazz, right? Like we saw what he could do last year, you know, 16.7% barrel rate, 46.7 hard hit rate, 94% out sprint speed. He was on like a, I don't know, quick math here. We had 14 home runs, 12 steals, and 241 play appearances. So it's probably like a 35, 29, 30 pace, something like that. Like he probably was on 30, 30 pace last year. Still has some, you know, improvements to be made with the approach, though. He's he's made some improvements there, but I think this is another one where the first half of 2023, like, all right, is he going to vault ahead of Albies, or is he still got some stuff to work on? I think both are possible. I think Albies is a good buy low right now. I think people, it, all it took was one kind of down year where he was injured a lot and not great on the field to forget that. This guy had three straight 24, 14 years, at least in full seasons, I should say. So I think he's still, he's still only, I think 26, I think Albies is. Let me see. Albies is, yeah, he's he'll be 26 later on this offseason. So he's only a year older than Jazz, which kind of feels weird. I think he should have been yeah. a bigger bigger gap than that. But so I still lean Albies right now. Again, it's almost a coin flip for me. And Jazz could easily vault past him this year. But I don't know. They're they're both very fun players overall, obviously. Yeah, I think you can kind of go either direction with them. I think people were kind of quick to, you know, judge Albies, like you said. And there was some chase issues. Like, that's a bit of a concern. And I honestly just wish he would stop switch hitting. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of hurt him in a way. Like, you just wonder what he could do if he did stop switch hitting. And, you know, last year wasn't really a good indicator of that. But for his career, he's just much better as a right-handed hitter. I mean, we're talking a you know a three twenty-eight career average against left. Sorry, lefties as a right-handed hitter, and then you know as a versus right-handed as a lefty, he's hitting two fifty. You know, tongue-tied there a bit, but yeah, it shows that he just does better from that side, and he has hit some against righties as a right-handed hitter. Small sample, but he you know, he's done fine. So. I'd really like to see what he can do there. I think people are kind of jumping off board due to the the chase rate last year. The O swing was forty five percent, but you have to wonder. Like there was definitely injuries that played into that. So his career is thirty eight and a half percent, which is high, but at the same time, like that certainly boosted and it's kind of gone up every you know, every few years. So it's a weird profile to look at. Like what's happened? It's almost as if like he just sold out for power at some point and lost the feel for contact. And in the process of that, it's beginning to chase so much more. And I wonder if he can kind of go back to the player he is, because he does have enough power, I think, to, you know, just kind of be himself and put bat to ball and perform. So it's it's interesting. It's close for me. But I do think that it's jazz. I'm, I'm taking jazz at this point in a close one. But you couldn't go wrong with either of them if you have them in dynasty due to age. And what we've seen is performance-wise. Yeah, and, and within this kind of tier one, I think these there's another mini tier of these two because these two guys are in their mid-20s. Both Altuve and Semien are 32, I believe. Yeah, they're both 32 years old, only a few months apart, actually. So they are within this tier, but so I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to go wrong either way, obviously. So I think Jazz could easily vault past Aussie. Like I said, I think this early on this year is going to be very, very big for Jazz. See if he can continue making some improvements that he's made and you know, maybe get the average up a little bit. But look at that power speed blend. So damn good. I mean, yeah, I wonder, is Albies more of like a 255-ish guy now? Like, he's 271 for his career, but do you think 280-plus is ever coming back, Chris? Or do you think this is more so where he is? I, I'm kind of feeling that 260-ish is kind of where he is now. But hey, if that comes with let's look, look let's look at last year, for instance. He hit 259 last year. But if that comes with 
30 home runs, 106 RBI, 103 runs scored, and 20 steals. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I don't I don't think you care if, if with about the average because that's a true four category production and a batting average that doesn't necessarily destroy you. So right. I think you'd take that and run and be happy. I'm curious where that where it put him on the Rasball play rater, even with that down average. I'm gonna pull it up real quick because it still had to be in twenty twenty one you're talking about? Yeah, in twenty twenty one with with that performance. I wonder um, I bet you I I'm gonna see if I can go. I'm gonna guess Oh, those numbers. I'll say like, you know, back end top 20. Yeah, he was the 12th overall hitter. Okay. So when you go back to previous years, it's hitters and pitchers split. So I I would guess that he's probably top 20 overall, but 12th best hitter. So like you said, you'll be happy with that and take it and run, even with the depleted average. Like that's still a solid batting average in today's game. And it doesn't hurt you that bad. So no, I think that's a, I think it's fair that if you, Get that, and we should. I think we can see Albies get back to that, which would be, you know, super encouraging. I think yeah. so. Um, really, really looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. I think two fifty five is the new two seventy at this point. And yeah, two sixty is the new two eighty almost. Yeah, it's like the expectations have been kind of tempered a bit to the, you know, the nature of the game these days. But yeah, so that that's definitely a a very fun tier at the top. You know, and then, you know, three, four, all two V Semyon. I mean, we talked about them a lot. I think they're pretty chalk at those spots. But then the rest of the top tens where it gets pretty interesting because there's there's some intrigue. There's a lot of question marks. You know, like look look at five, six. I have story five, Jimenez six. You have Jimenez five, story six. I have questions about both of them. Yeah. Dif- different questions. But story, you know, like I said, I put out a tweet. Story had 16 home runs last year. He had eight of those in a 10-game stretch, which was like like 47 plate appearances or whatever it was. Actually, no, I have that right here. Hold on. It was, yeah, 10 in, sorry, where did my spot go? In 46 plate appearances from May 16th to May 26th. He had eight the rest of the entire season. In his other 350 plate appearances, it's just a weird stat. Like he was yeah. Babe Ruth for a week and a half, and completely just unusable in fantasy. And he's a guy that we both have top six. I think that's because of kind of the lack of rock solid options after the top four. I mean, the whiff rate continues to go up. K rates going up with Story. You know, Wolba has been trending down. That's not a fantasy stat, but just showing like. He's definitely, you know, falling off to some degree. Can he bounce back? I think so. Like, you know, I don't think he's as bad as he was last year. He hit 238, 303, 434. I don't think he's that bad. And he still had like a 25, 20-ish pace power speed. I think he can bounce back to some degree. But to what degree, though? I think if you're expecting anything close to what he was in Colorado, like I think that story is not walking through the door. But can he be like a... 20, you know, 20 to 25 home run, 15 to 20 steal guy. Sure. But I think the average, I don't see the average bouncing back much at all, though, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, it's it's a scary concern, I think, with him of who he actually is and like how much of production was from course. (laughs) So he's 30 years old now. And We've just seen him trend downward, as you said. Like, I don't have a whole lot to add to to what you said, but I I don't know. It's just the profile's strange. The power and speed's still there, but, you know, like, what kind of batting average will we get? And that's my fear is, like, you look at his career, like, home road splits, and he's a career, like, 239 hitter on the road. And while... That's obviously not a great comparison because we we know about what happens when hitters you know go or in, in Colorado and hitting in course regularly and then leaving. But look at what he did last year, and he hit two thirty eight. So it's it leaves a lot of question marks with Story. Yeah, I think there's a lot more questions than answers right now with Travis Story. Like I said, as a Red Sox fan, he looked completely. I saw that one little stretch, and he looked completely lost at the plate for basically the rest of the season. So, I mean, I'm hoping for a bounce back, even, you know, throwing my own little bias into it. I'm hoping for a bounce back, but I'm not, I don't feel too confident in it, at least not to the degree people probably want. But 
as for Jimenez, Chris, where are you on him? Because, you know, obviously former top prospect in the Mets system. You know, I think he got pretty high up there in a lot of real life lists because it was his defensive value that he adds. But I was looking at his profile and I, mean, I don't think he's going to completely fall off. But I do wonder if he takes a small step back with the bat. Like He ran higher BABIPs. You know, a lot of the metrics weren't. You're really indicative of like a you know 300 hitter with you know 20 homer pop, which is kind of what he was last year. So I don't know, but I don't know how far I want to drop him down. I, th- I think he's gonna be fine, but you know, wh- what are your thoughts on Jimenez? Are, are you buying what you saw, or are you kind of feeling some regression? I don't think I'm going like all the way out, like to to sell, but I'm not sure I'm going like that. He's gonna like fall tough to be the top you know, second base dynasty player. Yeah, it's he he makes decent enough zone contact to be successful. He's lowered the ground ball rate. He's lowered the O swing, but the O swing was still above forty percent, which is a bit concerning. Like that's a number you you don't really want to see. And last year we saw, I think the average come up largely due to to more line drives, and that obviously is to be expected. He had a really low line drive rate in twenty twenty one. It was a smaller sample. Didn't seem to do whatever full season was encouraging, where he really bumped the batting average back up. He had a high Babbitt, but he's a type that doesn't surprise me that he runs high Babbitt's just based on, you know, who he is as a player and what he does. So I'm thinking that this is probably the expectation what we should get from him, like around a 2020 player pretty consistently. Probably take a few ticks off the batting average, though. I'd guess he's closer to 280 hitter, which is still respectable. But 280, 2020, like, I'll take the upside of Jazz and Albies over that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I think he'll still be solid. I think maybe he's more 275, 280 with 15 for me. But then again, I think he's a big guy that is, you know, an accumulator too. He's gonna have, you know, a lot of plate appearances every year probably because that defense can keep him in the lineup even when he is struggling. And you know, I think Cleveland definitely values that. So I think he's gonna get, you know, a lot of plate appearances if he can stay healthy. I think that that definitely helps him a bit. But yeah, I'm 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 not selling. I'm just. Yeah, I don't expect him to yeah, move up any further up my rank. I think he'll be like, you know, in the 6 to 10 range of this spot for the foreseeable future, for me at least here. And that's kind of what I can think about a lot of these guys. There's a lot of guys here, you know, even if we go outside of our top 10. Like, well, we both have India in our top 10, and, he, and he's another one that, you know, had a down year. And actually, he was part of a poll. Actually, let me let me... Read off the results of these prospect polls. I actually found them for once. I had three prospect polls up. First one was who is the top second base prospect for fantasy baseball? Termar Johnson, 39%. Me, 24%. Norby, 27%. Julian, I didn't know who to throw in for a fourth one. I threw Julian. He had 9%. So obviously it was those top three. Next one, which second base prospect are you more confident in bouncing back this year? York or Gonzalez? It was 51 49 in favor of Gonzalez. And then which second base prospect would you rather have? Michael Bush or Brayon Rocchio in 62-38 split to Rocchio. So I did have a poll up here for, see, for who was your number one dynasty second baseman? Albies, 40%. Jazz, 5%. Altuve and Semien, 13 and 10% respectively. And I think I had one here on, yeah, okay, here it is. Which second baseman coming off a down year would you rather buy low on in Dynasty Leagues right now? The three options were Jonathan India, Kettle Marte, and Brendan Lowe. How do you think these these are split up percentage-wise, Chris? Hmm. All right, give me the names one more time. India, Kettle, Brendan Lowe. Brendan- uh, I would guess that India probably won, but that's not... I don't know, actually. I, but actually, I'm going to say I think Kettle won. But I wouldn't go that way. India did win. India had 40%. Low, 26.7%. Kettle at 25%. And then I also put in none of the above. That had 8%. So India, it's weird because India is one of those guys where even when he had his his good rookie year in 2021, the metrics were, you know, okay. Nothing really stood out. Obviously, the the approach was always pretty good. But he just, like, passed the eye. I saw him when I was down in Philadelphia visiting friends and family. So I feel he's Reds game. He went he went tank off of Aaron Nola, lead off the game. And he just looks like a guy that's going to be like a ball player for a while. He has that look about him, but had a very down year, had some injuries as well. So I, I'm I'm still pro India. Do I think maybe we went a little high on him? Sure. 
myself included in that. But can he be a, you know, maybe a back end top 100 guy for Dynasty, maybe top 75 for OBP? I think that's still possible. And obviously, still in a very good park. He'll be hitting high in that. So if he can just stay healthy, I know that's been some issues for him, even dating back to his days at Florida. You know, if he can stay healthy, I think he's still, you know, a top 10 player at this position, but he has to stay healthy. And that's another issue altogether. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is is health with him. I do think he, he'll he return to be a, a solid player. And I think that we could see that as soon as this year. I think that he could be a good buy low. I mean, we did see that really solid rookie season. I mean, I'm not sure the expectation we should put on him, like as far as like, should we expect India to bounce back to that level? I don't know, but I still think there's a solid feel to hit in there. We've seen the contact rates be serviceable and they were good last year. That's the interesting thing. They were, the contact rates were better last year and his average dropped 20 points. So, you know, what were the factors there? And it could have been more fly balls. Yes. His home run to fly ball rate dropped. So it probably matters a bit. And his Babbitt was down about, you know, about 20 points as well. So that's the, the full average drop right there. But I do think that we see him get back to probably 20 home run power, chips in five to 10 steals. I know he's still 12 in his rookie year, but I'm not sure we should expect that. But I do think India still provides good value and could bounce back to, to be strong. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree here. Last one I want to talk about before we move on to the next set of our rankings, Vaughn Grissom from your Atlanta Braves. You know, I wrote in my article that it's hard to have a, you know, a tale of two seasons scenario in just 156 plate appearances, but that's really what we had with Grissom this past year. His first 103 plate appearances, slash 347, 398, 558, and his last 53, slash 174, 276, no, 264, 196, with only one extra base hit and a 0-2-2 ISO. Very small sample size, but I don't know. Grissom, I've always liked Grissom. I think he's a guy that's going to have another one of these kind of solid across-the-board profiles without really standing out, but he's shown that he could hit 20. He's shown that he could be a 20-ish home run guy, maybe add 10 to 15 steals. So I'm still buying him. Maybe the hype went too high on him in that you know first you know, month or so, but I think right now he's still a, a buy for Dynasty League. So are you in agreement there? I think so. And I think that down the stretch, his playing time becoming more inconsistent certainly had an effect on this. We saw him begin to not play as consistently after September 12th. And that was honestly only final 42 plate appearances. So I'm not sure. I I think we saw a little bit of both. I think his hot start was a bit of fool's gold, which then leads you to say, well, who is he then? But then I think on the flip side, this in the latter half of the season, like he just wasn't playing consistently, so we didn't see the production. I think that likely messed with him. I mean, we are talking about a, a young rookie who was 21 years old, getting his first taste of the majors. And this was really his first true test. Like he really hasn't been tested before. And then you're in a groove, and all of a sudden, like, okay, they're like, Orlando RC is the hot bats. So we're going to roll with them. Okay, that makes complete sense. <laughs> so it, it probably screwed this head a little bit. Because I know it wouldn't me if I was 21 and I was playing on a team that was competing to win the division. And all of a sudden I get benched every other day for Orlando Arcia. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, like what? Then who am I? I guess, like, what am I doing wrong? And I would begin to question right. kind of everything there. So I think that at the end of the day, he should get every day. I think he's going to be the everyday shortstop in Atlanta. He's being green forward. He's working with Washington. He's serviceable enough there. I would expect Grissom to be still a solid contributor. I think he's got 20-20 upside. I think, I mean, the play discipline's good. The, the zone contact rate is elite. And we saw that in the majors and also the minors. And you can say small sample for the zone contact at 90% in the majors, but it was 88.8 in the minors. So he struck out 12% of the time in the minors, walked 8% of the time. Like, these are all traits of a just an elite hitter, like a pure hitter. And then you like to see these things. So Grissom's going to make enough contact where I think he's going to certainly provide across the board 
and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do over a full season, the adjustments he makes this offseason, because I do think that we will see those adjustments made because he's a hard worker. And he's and just go back to like this was his first true test, and here he was tested, and I do think he's gonna rebound and be extremely solid. So yep. yeah, I'm I'm buying Grissom. If if you faded him, I'll buy from you. I'll be happy to do yeah. that. If you faded him, shame on you. <laughs> Double endorsement to go out and get some Grissom shares in your dynasty league. All right, let's go on to the rest of our dynasty rankings here to close out the show. Let's go 11 through 30. Chris, who you got? All right, so at 11, I have Jorge Polanco, followed by Max Muncy, Jake Cronenworth, Kettle Marte, and Brandon Lau. Man, this range does get, ugh, like, yeah, I want to change these rankings looking at it. It, it kind of get, it doesn't, they're not bad. It's just kind of bleh. Yeah, there's a lot of bleh. I know that's not a great word to use, but that's the first one that comes to mind. Cronenworth is bleh. He's, he's okay, but he's not anyone you're going to be excited about having in fantasy. Yeah. This is this next guy at 16, Gavin Lux. I mean, like, <laughs> exactly. Another example. <laughs> yeah. And DJ LeMahieu, old, like, he's fading. He's, uh, he's older, bleh. Yeah. Luis Urias at, at 18, Curtis bleh. Mead, Jamar Johnson in 19 and 20. And then it's just like, oh. But I guess even these guys, I feel like they're kind of all in the same. Like, it's like a huge tier yeah, it is. in reality when I, when I look at it. 21 through 30 goes Josh Rojas, Edward Julian. Jeff McNeil, Michael Massey, Whit Merrifield, Jordan Westberg, Brandon Drury, Luis R., Brandon Rogers, and Brendan Rogers. So I said Brandon, and then Nolan Gorman, which is looking at like I don't like this. Like I want to change these rankings again. Looking at it, but <laughs> a lot changed apparently. But it just shows you the second base volatility at the position. It definitely falls off. Like you know, there's some solid prospects. So at that point, if I don't have one of those top guys, I might be starting to. Look at the prospect route. Some of these guys that are getting close to yeah. coming up, and, and maybe you know go with that route for my you know future of this position. But yeah, so after my top ten, so at eleven through thirty, I have Brendan Lau, Connor Norby, Kendall Marte, Gavin Lux, Jorge Polanco, Bryson Stott, Max Muncy, Jake Cornerworth, Tamar Johnson, Edward Julian at twenty, and then Thyro Estrada, Brendan Drury, Christopher Morrell, who's fun but very flawed. He could move up or down, probably down. DJ LeMayhew, Curtis Mead, Luis Angel Cunha, Jeff McNeil, Brendan Rogers, Jordan Westberg, and Nolan Gorman. The one I wrote I wrote about from this group was Nolan Gorman. I'm not out out on Gorman, but I am fading hard. And he and this is it sucks. I used to love Gorman. After he was drafted in 2018, I want to say it was, I was one of the higher people around on Nolan Gorman, but there's a lot of red flags here. Obviously, the power is fun, right? He's, you know, puts on the show in batting practice. The raw power is absolutely there, but the rest of the profile is, you know, a lot of red flags. He, you know, he had a 14.4% barrel rate, 43.3 hard hit rate. Pretty good. Outside of that, he 226 overall and only 192 against fastballs with a 33.2% whiff rate. That 192 mark was the sixth worst mark in baseball for a minimum of 100 plate appearances. And overall, you know, his own contacts low, whiff rates high. Is he even going to play full-time? You know, Brendan Donovan's there. They have, you know, Juan Yepes and, and you know, all these other, you know, Alec Burleson. So I don't know if he's even going to play at DH. I don't know. I just don't see him. He'll play, but I'm starting to think, and this not the same profile, but just in the general sense, I'm starting to feel like Dylan Carlson 2.0, where he's just going to slowly kind of fade away to like a bench bat. And so I, I'm kind of mostly out on Nolan Gorman at this point. I agree. I, I think there's major concerns about, you know, what we see from him. and the moves that they've made kind of help indicate that, you know, he may not be the, the guy moving forward. I'm not sure we see him regularly. He may be part of a trade. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was traded and, just like you read off those stats, I mean, it's just kind of puzzled. Like, you can hit the ball hard, you can hit for power. Like, it's kind of who we thought he would probably be in the majors. Yep. Like, low batting average. I think there's you know, serious platoon risk. He's out of position, for one. He's not getting a position that he's comfortable in anytime soon. I'm, a, I'm scared that he's just going to be the odd man out. So, maybe he is part of a trade. That could be best case for him. 
for a rebound. Like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is like a, and I don't even want to use this, but like a Mike Moustakis like kind of profile where he could run into some big home run numbers, but if he plays regularly. Right. Then that's the question. Does he get enough, you know, PAs to get to those numbers? I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. I, I, I'm kind of out on him. I've dropped him significantly, but I feared that with the power upside that he could bounce back. So I don't know. Yeah. And at this point, I mean, if I don't, again, kind of similar, if I don't have one of these top guys at second base, like none of these guys, I mean, some of the prospects intrigue me, you know, like Johnson and Julian and, and Norby and, and whatnot, but I'd almost rather, you know, bypass these, you know, Marte types, the Jorge Polancos, and maybe get like a stopgap, like a Brendan Drury or, you know, a DJ LeMayhew or someone like that until, you know, maybe I have a Curtis Mead or a, Acuna or, or someone like that or Julian in the minor leagues that will come up you know, within the next year or so. Because there's not a lot of guys I'm really intrigued by. Like some, when I posted my article yesterday or on Wednesday, people, a couple of people asked me, hey, why are you so low on Jeff McNeil? I'm like, well, he's basically just average at this point. I'm like, what's the big gap between him and like Luis Arias? They're basically yeah. the same guy, different league at this point. Like right. high average and, you know, you hope for whatever else you get is just whatever. So I it's not like a guy that's super valuable, at least not in Dynasty. Maybe you get him in redraft to you know help boost your average, but it's not a lot of guys here. I you know Michael Massey, I kind of like, but what's the ultimate upside with with him? I think he's a solid all around player, but we'll see. Yeah. Is, is he just kind of fall into that bleh range, and he's like you know in the Gavin Lux, Bryson Stott range, which is fine. I think yeah. I think we've all kind of you know I think everyone is on the same page with Lux finally though, Chris, like he's, I think this is what he is. He can give you a, a little bit of everything, not a lot of anything. And he's just, you know, kind of solid, but not never going to be more than at best middle infield type for your fantasy team. That's not, I feel like that's a lot of these guys, like a lot of, yeah, right. there's very <laughs> few, too, you know, yeah, there's very few second basemen that want to start in the middle infield. I feel like all those are going to be shortstops. So that's, that's my fear is that, it's just not a good grouping for that. So I don't know. I mean, there's certainly guys that could break out, but it just, it's a lot of guys that just provide you a little bit of stuff and not a lot of stuff. And I'm, yep. I'm overly concerned. I mean, I'm concerned like genuinely about that. Or heck, I mean, maybe I'll even go with, you know, a guy like a Gordon as a stopgap or something like that. There's just, or a Colton Wong or, you know, one of those, Luis Rangifo, one of those types, because yeah. this is not a lot. I like and like Brendan Rogers. I think people still like him a little bit. I've been out on him since I saw him in Double A, like five years ago. He's, like, he's okay. He hit for a decent average and a little bit of pop, but doesn't run and you know doesn't hit, doesn't hit for enough power. He's too much of a line drive guy. Doesn't get to enough of that power into the air. I'm just it's a lot of bleh in this range, I, and I know that's not what people want to hear. But hey, I I, I don't even like I don't, I don't even want to start like Gleyber Torres in middle infield, you know. Gleyber Torres, Polanco, like, I'm not even excited about those. And I have Gleyber Torres at nine. Like, I'm not even excited about that. Like, after Edmund and Grissom at seven and eight for me, you know, India a little bit, but even his upside isn't, like, terribly high. It really falls off quick. So I'm hoping, you know, these Norbies and Tamar Johnsons and Julians and Meads and guys like that, Cunhas, can really help this position because it's pretty top-heavy and then really gets pretty boring pretty quick. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm just looking at the list of names and trying to figure out like who I'd want to buy in on at this range, and I don't know. Maybe a maybe a Massey just because he's he'll probably be super cheap, and maybe he turns into something decent. Yeah. At this point, I'd be you know maybe going up some prospects. And uh, yeah, Mead's the one I target. Mead or Julian are going to debut soon. So yeah, I, I'm not, even though I think Lux is fine, I'm not going out actively trying to get Gavin Lux at this point in time. You know, no. maybe a buy low on, you know, Brendan Lau or India. Yeah, maybe that's the route I could take is, you know, if, if the price is where I think it could be. I haven't actually tried to do that yet. Maybe I will. But yeah, it's just, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of stop gaps. Yeah. This is like the stop gap section. If you have, it's probably, I try to go get one of these guys for a year or so. And then, you know, hopefully you have one of those top prospects we mentioned. But yeah, I'm just going to wrap us up here for this second base position. 
our last episode here of 2022. We'll be back early next week. Probably release it on Tuesday again because New Year's Day will be on Sunday. Probably not going to record on that day. We'll probably have the episode out Tuesday of next week. That'll be third base. And then we'll have shortstop later on in the week. So tune in for those. You know, again, next week, those will be a lot of fun, especially shortstop. That's always probably the most fun position to talk about. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ over on our Patreon. Also, FTN for me and Pitcherless for Chris. And of course, join us again next time for those Dynasty episodes. Events all them. Everyone take care. Yeah.